0: Banking is heading at full speed toward its digital future. And as we get closer, where does that leave the old industry workhorse? The branch. John Vories, Director of Distribution Strategy at TerraStrat Group, joins us on the Banking Strategies podcast to talk about the roles he envisions for branches in the years ahead. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Bank branches, do they stay or do they go? If they stay, what will they do? And what's the future role for people as digital moves into a more central role in banking? Fielding those questions is our guest on this week's Banking Strategies podcast, John Voorhees, who over his career in the industry has learned much about branch operations. He continues to put those learnings to work in his current position as Director of Distribution Strategy at TerraStrat Group. So John, thanks for making time for a chat.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: John, you've been around banking for quite a while. You've built up a deep knowledge of branches, branch operations. We hear some forecasters proclaiming the death of the branch. Do we have a Mark Twain situation here where the report of demise is greatly exaggerated?
1: Well, you're right. On first count, I've been in the business doing distribution strategy for four decades now. And I write a lot of articles and I read a lot of articles that talk to that specific topic. Branches aren't going away anytime soon. There was an article that came out recently that put a date to it based upon some study that last bank branch was going to close in 2034. And if you just think through the ramifications of that, it's it's not going to happen. We'll continue to see the evolution of bank branches. They have to evolve to doing other things, but they're not going away anytime soon.
0: Okay, so branches have life ahead of them. If I asked you for a one-sentence summary of what you see happening with bank and credit union branches in the next, say, year or two, as we hopefully emerge from the pandemic, what would that one sentence be?
1: I think we're going to see a rebound of activity as we get beyond the sort of lockdown phase of COVID, as people try to find some new normal on the other end where it feels more comfortable. And that means going back to restaurants and going shopping, going to bank branches and the like. So I think that's really going to be the next couple of years. But long term, there is a trend that is a movement away from face-to-face transactional banking and more toward face-to-face advisory banking.
0: Let's drill down into that a little bit on the advisory side. When you're talking about Face to face advisory banking. What specifically are you talking about?
1: Well, if you think about what banks do today or historically they've done, and this applies to credit unions as well, there's basically three functions that go on within a a branch. You've got a transactional set of activities, financial transactions, whether it be at an ATM or a teller. I want a cash check. I want to make a deposit. I want to do a transfer. I want to make a payment, any of those activities. And then The second thing that happens is for people who are account holders, they have issues with their accounts. They need to stop a check. They need to get information about why they paid a fee and like all those kind of, you know, help me kind of questions that go on. But typically those get bounced back and forth between the teller side and the platform side. And then the third thing is that I need advice on financing, on what are my options for buying a car or home or any of those kind of more advanced, more complex questions that people ask. Well, all the digitization that's gone on over the last 20 plus years has largely removed the transactional business from face to face with humans. You know, number of tellers is way down, things like that. But what's remaining is the advisory side. And when you think about financial services, it's one of the most important things in people's lives. And every time you have a new generation come along, they wanna be educated, they want to understand their options, want to become a more informed purchaser. And I think that's where branches have to go. It has to be much more about that face-to-face advice, which may lead to a new account, or advice which may simply be educating the public.
0: So this new role for the branches that you're talking about, how do you see that impacting the number of branches that are needed? that banks can support with that type of activity. What do you see in terms of the right sizing of branch networks, also in light of the digital acceleration that's been going on, particularly since COVID?
1: I think we're finally getting to the point where a classic hub and spoke kind of model might really be effective nowadays, where the hub is a manned, banking center or branch or office or whatever you want to call it, meeting place, a place where you can engage with customers and have deeper, meaningful conversations and the like. They can still do transactions there and the like, but the transactions will be held by, uh, managed by technology. But instead of having four branches, two, three miles away in any direction, those next set of locations may be remote technology centers, places that have ATMs or ITMs servicing them for the bulk of the activities that people want to do with their bank or credit union or transactional in nature. And since those can be handled with the technologies, you don't need to have every location be manned. And so if you think about it, what we see today as a traditional branch becomes the hub. And the hub is surrounded by a bunch of satellites, which are much more technology oriented. So you back up and you say, how might that look in a market? Today, I might have 20 branches. I might get away with seven or eight in the future, but I might end up having replaced those 12 or 13 other branches with 20 or 25 remote ATM or remote ITM sites.
0: You bring up ATMs. You wrote an article a month or so ago saying that much of what is done in the branch now can be handled by ATMs, specifically off premises. ATM. So for a bank or credit union thinking about going that route, what are the pluses and the minuses for them to consider?
1: Fitting into this whole hub and spoke concept, you can today, if you were to build a branch, it's going to cost you somewhere between a million and a half and two and a half million in capital, except for really expensive markets. And it's going to cost you somewhere between 600000 and 900000 a year to operate it. Well, you can build a full function remote ATM or ITM or for about a 10th of the capital and you can operate it for less than 10% of the cost. And so all of a sudden you start thinking about it from a consumer's perspective, I want access to convenient locations for the things I need to do. Well, if I can build out seven, eight, or nine remote ATM sites for the same cost as a single branch, then I can create much more convenience cost-effectively. One of the challenges out there for banks and credit unions is that one out of every five banks only has a single location, it's a one branch. And with credit unions, it's almost 50% only have a single location. So when you're that limited in size, you cannot really reach out to a much, much larger audience or membership unless you have phenomenal digital capabilities. One of the phrases I've heard someone use that I like a lot is, you use branches to acquire customers or members, you use digital to hold on to them.
0: You lay out the pluses on that side, but what are the minuses?
1: The minuses are that more and more of these transactions are occurring where you don't get to see your customer. And if you think about customers and the customer experience and the like, customers continue to want to have a great experience when they interact with their organization and banks and credit unions want to really get to know their customers very well the more they they feel that the more that they can create a relationship with their customers the stickier they're going to be right they're less likely they're going to be to leave as well as when the next financial purchase decision comes up they'll be in the mix right because Well, Bob's my banker, and I always go to Bob. But when you drive more and more of your transactions out of the branch, more of your interactions out of the branch, and you drive it to technology, you're not having those interactions with your customers. And it becomes much more difficult to maintain a relationship So scale has
0: to figure into this uh, somehow because it figures into pretty much everything related to banking. How does branch rationalization play out differently among, say, the big guys versus the regionals and then the smaller institutions as well?
1: Scale is critical. I've written an article recently that looked at all the banks in the country and looked at it on a market-by-market basis. And if you've got more than a 6% branch share in any individual market, you double your probability of getting outsized deposit growth, meaning you get more than your fair share. Now, how do you create scale? That's a real difference. Number of branches has been continuing to decline. Interesting to note, credit unions basically haven't been shrinking their networks except for last year. And I think that's obviously due to COVID. But can you create scale by having more touch points through a mix of full service traditional hub branches and these satellite technologically driven remote ATM sites. I think you can create scale that way so that people are always close for having some place to go to do a transaction. And when they want to have a higher order good, right, they want to have that more complex conversation, they'll be willing to drive an extra few minutes to have it.
0: A bit ago, you were talking about the importance of the face-to-face. That makes me think about this great demand for personalization that we're seeing in banking, you know, that personal connection, that feeling of being known that people want when they deal with their bank. So where's the balance in that between digital banking and the personal touch? How do you get to have both a shrinking physical presence and a rising personal touch presence at the same time?
1: I think that's the $64,000 question, right? If, If you can solve that for people, you're going to be in great demand. I like to think about it this way. From a customer's perspective, they want the norm from cheers reaction, right? You walk in and everyone greets you. You feel comfortable. You're part of the community, right? You're recognized for being there. You're not ignored. You're not a number. You're not an account number. People desire that. And more and more, they're they're wanting to get that same kind of thing digitally as well. And that's one of the challenges. If you look at the research on customers who are digitally only, they're less enamored with their bank for all those reasons, right? They don't feel as in as strong of a relationship as they do when they deal with banks or credit unions and face-to-face. One of the things i found is if you go and you stand in the branch, uh, which I often do when I'm going and doing site tours, I'll just go in and sort of stand over in the corner and watch. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it where the member walks through the door and the greeter, right, the concierge or whatever you want to call it, calls them by name even before you know the other person says anything experience right there is such a positive for people that it's something I think takes a lot of training. You need to be able to have really good people who don't change jobs very frequently because if you have a really high turnover in the branches, it's hard to get that because people won't have as many interactions. And, all that. and I think that's the challenge. It's how do I create what is sort of the old-timey Kind of perspective of banking where I have a banker, her name is Mary, and Mary knows everything about me in an environment when, you know, I do most of my banking on my phone or on my computer.
0: You mentioned community banks earlier and their limited footprint. They also have that really know your customer approach, right? Which you've been talking about. Do you see them becoming even more like credit unions when it comes to their branches, even though it's a sort of a costlier business model? Is that really their best way to survive among the giants?
1: I get asked the question a lot when I do board speeches. Is it, do we invest in digital or do we invest in branches? My answer is always yes. You need to do both, right? One out of every five banks only has a single site and one out of every two credit unions only have a single site. The average bank network's like 20 branches and the average credit unions only five. So credit unions are already at a disadvantage. One of the trends I have been watching is, credit unions buying community banks as an opportunity to grow and then converting their customers to members. I think you're going to see much more of that in the near term and the next several years.
0: John, the last question I have for you, I want to ask you about the generational perspective as we have millennials nearing their earning prime and Gen Z's coming up fast behind them. I'm a gray beard like you and So as we sort of move to the side and the digital natives become the prime economic drivers, does this digital versus personal that the branches find themselves in the middle of, does that just naturally resolve itself?
1: It's a great question. And it's one of those ones that you start reading more and more about it. Many of my clients ask me, should we double down on millennials and Gen Z? My first thing I always ask them is, Well, yes, they're large, right? Those two groups represent just over half the population at this point. So there are a large group, but millennials don't hit peak profitability for financial services until 2030 and Gen Z not until almost 20 years later in 2050. I think it's too early to go whole hog after them. And you think about it by the time they do hit peak profitability, even if you get to them to be customers today, how do you think you're going to keep them for that length of time? Because banking 10 years from now will look very different than it looks today. I think you have to have a multifaceted approach, which is you have to have good digital, good online capabilities because that will help start to attract some of those people. And they'll be attracted for other reasons that you've got friendly staff and the like. Because even if you look at the you know segmentation and the digital adoption rate is much higher among the younger segments and the like, the younger segments still want to talk to people. They still want to be educated. And in fact, with millennials, they're much more interested in getting advice. And Gen Z, they're much more interested in getting educated about how the whole banking system works. So you need to be able to find that balance point between their desire to have face-to-face communications and their other desire to have seamless digital interactions.
0: Right, solve that. And you've pretty much solved that vexing personalization issue. And you've also answered the $64,000 question that you mentioned earlier. So John Vories, Director of Distribution Strategy at TerraStrat Group, thanks again for sharing your outlook on branches with us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Terry.
0: A few takeaways from our conversation with John Vories from TerraStrat. Bank and credit union branches are not dying off anytime soon, but it's widely believed that they will keep declining in number, that they need to evolve into different roles. What those roles look like remains to be determined. John agrees with those who envision branches being more focused on offering advice. He also suggests a branch hub with spokes made up of ATMs could be a good way to provide more cost-efficient convenience for customers. One reason branches retain value is that the digital banking side is still figuring out the whole personalization thing that customers clearly want. It's the norm at cheers reaction that tells you as a customer that you're a somebody A greeting when you walk in the door, and they know your history. But even at branches, providing that personal touch will become more challenging since customers walk in the door much less frequently than they used to. And finally, millennials and Gen Z represent roughly half the nation's population, and this makes them a prime banking target. Sure, they're desirable, John says, but are they really worth going all in on now? For one thing, he says, Most of them are still a decade or three away from peak profitability. And for another, banking is likely to change a lot over that time span. So there's also the matter of keeping them on board until the big payoff arrives. Thanks for listening to this week's BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us next time for another conversation on a topic important to the financial services industry.